Welcome to episode 157 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Sacrament Trusted Partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all of the podcast players or by going to sycomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us in Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Our sponsor this week is PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Marine Corps veteran John Langford, Chief Executive Officer of Project Healing Waters. John served in the Marine Corps as both enlisted and officer for 23 years before retiring in 2009. He and his team support Project Healing Waters, an organization that helps service members and veterans in need through a dedicated developed curriculum of fly fishing, fly casting, fly tying, and fly rod building. You can find out more about John by checking out his bio in our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with him and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. John, I'm grateful to be able to have a conversation with you about Project Healing Waters and the work that you do to support those who served and those who care for them. Before we get into that, however, I'd like to provide you an opportunity to share a bit about yourself and why what you're doing is so much of a passion for you. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. It's awesome to be on the show. And we talked a little bit before you went live about we've been connected peripherally through some co-work with Psych Armor, which is pretty exciting. And we can talk about that. But 23 years in the Marine Corps, enlisted first, going through college, and then I got commissioned. I was a backseater in the F-18 Hornet primarily, but most Marines, we have a, a rubber band on our waist that pulls us back to Quantico or to the Pentagon. And so I did a couple headquarters tours at Quantico, Virginia, at the Marine Corps base there. And love my time in the Marine Corps. When I left my last job in active duty, I ran the Semper Fit branch. Every branch of service has a a policy organization that runs their fitness and recreation and health promotion. From 07 to 09, I ran that suicide prevention was under me at the time, which they smartly said, wow, this has to be a standalone. But you think about the time frame of our long war there in Afghanistan and Iraq. So spent a lot of time in that billet working with our wounded warrior regiment that had just stood up at Quantico and the Marine Corps has two wounded warrior battalions, East and West. Army has the warrior transition units, et cetera. So that was a big part of my policy direction was to make sure that our sports, recreation, et cetera, was adaptive for those Marines that were coming back wounded, ill and injured, and just stayed connected to that mission. I had a great opportunity to go work for TRX, the fitness company, I ran the government military sales team for just about two years, and they were introduced to me when I was at Semper Fit. And again, if you think of the time frame, 2007, we had uh, so many Marines getting injured in a combat zone, not necessarily due to combat. For the Marine Corps, our physical fitness test at the time was pull-ups, sit-ups, now crunches, now planks, and a three-mile run. And so you do that twice a year. And some Marines, you know, proudly said, I run six miles a year, you know, and then they're in sustained combat operations and they're wearing 70, 80 pounds of kit. 
they're asked to bend down, hoist ammo over a wall. And so they were getting injured. And so the A, I worked on the the task force that the Marine Corps put together to start treating Marines as athletes. The combat fitness test came out of that. But the TRX was such an amazing tool to ensure functional training could take place in austere environments. So anyway, stayed connected to that company. I was able to have the privilege to work for them for a couple of years. I was a race director for a triathlon production company for a couple of years. And then I just had a heart to come back into to service. My dad was a Marine in Vietnam when I was born. Five adult kids and two of them are active duty Marines. So I came back into the veteran nonprofit space starting in 2015 and have, have been in various roles and leadership roles in different national organizations. And I was hired to take over as the CEO of Project Healing Waters in September of 22. You know, it's interesting. And you mentioned that period of time in really 2007, you're talking about Marines coming back from Fallujah. Obviously, I was in the Army in a lot of the units that I was in focused in Anbar province in Baghdad. And I think that was really, especially when we were in the military and you saw at this watershed time that the first wave of, of really combat veterans were coming back Either they were getting out or they were staying in and, and dealing with these injuries at the same time. And I'd say 2009, 2010, I was a first sergeant of a, a unit that essentially the Army had too many wounded service members to do the Warrior Transition Battalion. And so I was in an adjunct unit that was hey. supporting wounded warriors at that time here on Fort Carson. And I think seeing that now, we're 15 years beyond that, probably 20 right. years, 18 years beyond that for you. Did you anticipate, did, did you see at that time that here we were 15 years later still helping and supporting those service members that and more after yeah. that? Yeah, I think, and again, I'll go back to the TRX experience. We worked with a, a national nonprofit to bring some wounded veterans to the headquarters in San Francisco at the time and give them an opportunity. You think about, and we've known for the length of our careers, people who really struggled with either post-traumatic stress disorder or some physical injuries or a combination of both. And being able, A, to give, we had a group, I think it was about a four-day session to teach them some fitness protocols and, and using the, the tools at TRX. There was a RIP trainer that they had. And, and just to give them confidence, they didn't, they had lost a tremendous amount of fitness because of limb loss and whatever other issues they were dealing with. And didn't feel like going back to the gym. And so now we had a tool to help them gain fitness and confidence at home. But that to me was kind of a seminal moment. It's really what led me back into the veteran nonprofit space because all of them were younger than I was. I enlisted in 86 and got commissioned in 90. So it was the, the old man on campus, but their experiences were similar, different services, but they're all different. And man, they all had a, a need that wasn't being met. And I think, and we can talk as we get into the Project Healing Waters piece, you know, we talk about a healing journey. It's not really a start and an end point. That journey, you discover things along the journey that then create more opportunities to continue the journey, whatever that means. And so that really, for me, and that was, again, that was 2013, I think, when I was there at TRX, and it, it really had a profound impact on me that this is a continuation of a need that's going to continue to go. And again, being in the nonprofit, veteran nonprofit space for eight years, 
I think when you get out of sustained combat, like we had been for several years, of course, the Afghanistan withdrawal was a whole separate issue for so many of the veterans that were there. But man, there's there's a need to continue. And you talk about it in the health care space about the continuum of care. There's a continuum of community is what I call it for us. And to be able to stay connected, people need that. That It's not like, okay, I went to a meeting. I feel better. Thank you. It's, wow, I need to go there again. So I think there's a sustained need for veteran nonprofits. And there's, I don't know the number, you hear anywhere from 35,000 to 40,000 of various sizes and levels and, and scopes in the country. But there's a need for that. I think it's going to continue. And I think what I appreciate about your background, both in your current role with Project Healing Waters and previously as you're talking about race director for triathlons, engagement and functional fitness, those kind of things, a lot of your sort of engagement has been about outdoor activities and active lifestyles. And you sort of just started to touch on that, but why do you think that's beneficial and maybe not even beneficial, but important for veterans in post-military life? Yeah, I think, and you and I have the benefit of living in Colorado, right? There's the abundance of outdoor activities and just world-class people travel to where we live to, to spend time and vacation and, and recreate. There's data, significant amount of data on the therapeutic restorative benefits of being outdoors, whether you're hiking or skiing, it's fresh air, it's vitamin D with the sunshine, it's nature. And I think it's really a DNA level connection to nature that, and again, I was an aviator in the Marine Corps, so was inside, so to speak, and the grunts, you know, were outside, but, and I'm sure they would not think where they were hiking in 29 Palms was restorative necessarily. But I think we have a connection to nature that is at our core level of our existence. And when you're outside experiencing that, and for us, Project Healing Waters, you know, we're not a fly fishing club, but we're we're an organization that that utilizes those healing powers of the outdoors. We use the the vehicle of fly fishing, but it's really about being outside and connecting with other people. And it's healing. I can go stand in the Poudre River or Big Thompson or somewhere right where I live here, 40 minutes away. And it's I think you have to force yourself to think about your taxes and the deliverable that your boss has and the challenges that you have, because when you're in nature, you're connected to something pretty powerful. And I, that to me, I've always been an out, you know, I grew up in Michigan, skiing and hiking and camping and scuba diving and all those things. And I think just wherever you are in nature, there's a component that is healing by its very existence. So you know, and I, I can I definitely, I recognize that, but I'm also curious about the military and sort of that meaning and purpose component to it. My wife and I were actually on the Air Force Academy earlier today, and I spent uh, a number of different my careers uh, jumping out of airplanes 37 too many times. And we said she saw some of the cadets parachuting. She was like, do you miss it? Uh, I, no, not really. I, I did that, right? That idea of there's a lot of times it's excitement, adventure, and really wild things yep. that you did in the military. It, it, could that also be a part of not recapturing our youth, or, but really sure. reconnecting to some of those maybe outside of the norm things that we did in the military and post-military life? Yeah, I think that's a draw for sure. And there are some who extreme backcountry skiing and they take up skydiving. I think there is, I don't, 
Adrenaline junkie is not the right word because I think people come in and serve for various reasons. We have an opportunity, regardless of branch of service and MOS, to do some really cool things. We also do some mundane administrative things, right? But I think there's, maybe it's, in my view, it's less about recapturing excitement or or any of those things as it is about finding your tribe again. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. one of the, the jobs that I had at another national nonprofit, I ran our transition services and people struggle. Not all of them. You spent a career in the army. I spent a career in the Marine Corps. My transition was pretty, pretty seamless. I was in a, the national capital region. You can find a job while you're trying to figure out what you want to do when you grow up as a civilian post or veteran, et cetera, et cetera. But I miss being in a squadron. I miss that ready room environment. I miss that component. And I'm a huge fan of Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe, because I think it does a great job describing our community, whether it's combat or not. And I think that's another thing I'll, I'll talk about a little bit about. We're not focused on just combat, right? I think the number of veterans who have served in combat is pretty small, especially as the wars wound down. And they're orders for a reason, right? We go where the army tells us or the Marine Corps tells us, and and we don't always have a choice. But I think more than anything, it's people looking to find that connection and that really tight-knit community that we all experience, hopefully in a positive way and not always in a positive way, but for the most part, hopefully there's a positive connection to that kind of tribe. So I think that's probably what I see more in my role is why people are are seeking to get outdoors with a group of people that are like-minded. Absolutely agree. And you've mentioned, obviously, Project Healing Waters a couple of different times. And I've been familiar with the organization, as you mentioned, uh, being here in Colorado. I've known some colleagues that were engaged in some of the programs. So Project Healing Waters has been around for nearly 20 years. What can you tell us about Project Healing Waters and how it helps those who serve? Yeah, so I'll give you the, the quick origin story, which is pretty powerful in 2025, we'll hit our 20th anniversary. We've got some exciting things planned, but our founder, Ed Nicholson, was a Vietnam era surface warfare officer in the Navy. He was retired. And in 2005, he was at Walter Reed, then Army Medical Hospital. Of course, we had Walter Reed and Bethesda separately at the time, but he was being treated for cancer. And again, if you think in 05, four years of sustained combat operations. The hospital was filled with Marines and soldiers and special operators with limb loss, traumatic brain injury, which was still not fully understood. It was all brand new at the time. And Ed, who is a lifelong outdoorsman, a lifelong angler, talked to the hospital administrator. And he said, can I just take these kids outside on the grass and teach them how to cast. Like he just wanted to get them out of the the sterile hospital environment. But I, I think profoundly he understood if he could get them outside, let's get them outdoors and teach them the sport of fly fishing, that there would be healing that would follow from that. So I, I often refer to that moment for Ed at Walter Reed as our North Star, having been connected to, to nonprofits. The industry is, we're a business, right? We have a 501c3 at the end of our name, but we there's market forces that apply to us just like any other business. And so an organization can ebb and flow. But if we have a North Star of a mission to go, man, can I just take them outside and teach them how to cast? 
that to me drives everything that we do. And so what started at Walter Reed on the lawn moved to the pond that's on the campus. And now we have 183 local chapters. We call them programs in 48 states. We serve about 6,000 to 7,000 participants every year. We've got about 4,000 volunteers. I mentioned earlier, you know, our volunteers really are the point of impact for our participants. We're very small staff, full-time staff. But yeah, we use fly fishing as a mechanism to connect people. And if you really look at suicide in the veteran community, which is still suicide, I believe is the 15th leading cause of death for veterans of all eras. But for those 45 and under that post 9-11 crowd, it's number two. And so what are we doing as a veteran nonprofit to build, I think resiliency sometimes gets overused, but what are we doing to build resilient participants and make them less susceptible to those moments where you really, it's that moment in time where someone goes, there's nothing for me. I have no one. And so I think a couple of things that we do, number one, we're not focused on combat. And, and again, you know, these statistics better than I do, but when people who are not connected to the veteran community and they hear about the veteran suicide rate, I think there's a tendency to go, that's just combat post-traumatic stress. It has nothing to do with that, really. What it has to do with is feelings of isolation and disconnectedness. And that doesn't derive from a combat deployment. It doesn't derive from a deployment at all. We all have experiences in the military, the horrific military sexual trauma that is experienced by so many of our women veterans. And just transition. Like I said, I manage transition programs. Sometimes people really struggle. They miss that tribe. And so now they start to lose purpose and they, they, their purpose was wrapped up in their uniform, which is not uncommon. How do we get them to find purpose again? And that's really what we're about. It's about building community, having these recurring, I talked about a continuum of care. I refer to us as a continuum of community. So all of our local programs, our chapters meet at a minimum twice a month. Some meet every week. And so for that participant that comes in and is connected and welcomed. You don't have to be a fly angler. You know, we're not a, a fly fishing club, but they're welcomed and they meet people who are like them and they have similar experiences. And then they go home and they're like, man, two weeks, I got another meeting. I really want to talk to, to Tim or Carol or whoever. And they go back and now they have this recurring event, which is building layers of resiliency and strength and confidence and, and all those things. What I really like about, and again, having been familiar with Project Healing Waters and other organizations of this type started out with, let's give veterans a, a way to escape, like this mountaintop experience. I think over right. time we've realized that, yeah, you can go have a great afternoon in the mountains or in the streams or on the pond, but then if you go back and your living room's still messed up, your living room's still messed up. Like the mountaintop yep, experiences 100%. are not sustainable. Yeah, no, that's such a great observation, Dwayne. I'm glad you brought it up because- those are, I think there's almost a risk depending on what someone is dealing with. And again, we talk about a healing journey and defining that was an individual thing. But if you have a mountaintop experience, sometimes it clarifies the trauma you're going through even more so, or the gap in, I still am out of a job. 
and I can't get hired because my skill set doesn't translate. Or I was at Fort Carson and I had all this amazing support. And now I'm back in pick a, a location, a rural location where a service member grew up. There's no base. There's no child development center where they had childcare on base. There's none of those things that are the support elements of being in the military. And that can be a challenge. So yeah, those mountaintop experiences can be great, but they start the car, they board the airplane to go home. Now it just becomes more clear what they don't have. And I think that's where we're really working hard as an organization to be a sustained community, really. And as communities, I use the term community within whatever their local community is, but it's the broader community. I talked to our volunteers and our staff about one team, one fight, and we're all on the same page and what we're trying to do. And I think if you can sustain that sense of genuine, authentic sense of community, you're going to help people get through the things that they're getting through. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. And again, I think there is this, if that's what folks are interested in, this is what Project Healing Waters does. If you're interested in learning more, engaging more, or if you're interested in gaming, there's organizations for that or dirt bike and, and what have you. And so I think that's really the benefit to this, as you were talking about, there, there's something out there for everyone just being able to engage in that. So if folks wanted to find out more about Project Healing Waters, how they can get involved, what they could expect if they joined a chapter or program, how can they find that out? Just go to projecthealingwaters.org as our website. I got to put a plug in real quick again. We're almost 20 years old this year. You know, I came on full 2023 and now we're moving into this year. We made some changes that we are building the organization to be strong and relevant in this very crowded veteran space for the next 20 years. But we had a company called Elva, which is a renowned design group, and they gave us an in-kind gift of rebuilding our websites. We have a brand new website, a new logo uh, that we were able to work with another awesome partner called Sightline Provisions. And so we're pretty excited about some of those new things, but people can go to the website. There's a drop-down menu about locations and they can find out what programs are available in or near their community. They can register as a participant and go check out one of the meetings. Again, there's no experience required. And in transparency, I'm new to fly fishing. So it's a new it's a new sport for me. So I'm learning from all of our volunteers and staff and participants, and it's pretty exciting. But people can register to be volunteers as well. Obviously, donors can look and learn about what we do. And I'll, I'll say something about the volunteers. Many of our volunteers came to us as participants. And when I talked earlier about the healing journey, you know, it's just this it doesn't really end and it probably shouldn't for any of us because there's always new things that we can learn and, and experience and go, wow, I didn't realize that, but that really helps. And so we'll have many who come in as participants and believe so strongly in how the organization helped give them the tools. You know, we've had many people who say Project Healing Water saved my life, had one of our staff who was a participant articulate that it didn't save his life but it gave him the tools he needed to do the things that were required to then keep going and, and all those things. So some really powerful stories. And so a lot of our participants want to give back, which is a great thing. We also have a lot of volunteer leaders who are civilians and there's a benefit to that as well, right? You're Army, I'm Marine. 
we could do a whole podcast and and throw good-natured darts at each other. But if you're a civilian, you're agnostic about branch of service. You don't have a filter of your own experience. You just see objectively, man, this really works. These people are awesome to work with. And I have watched this participant who came in as kind of a head down, I'm not really, I don't want to interact six months ago. And he's welcoming the new people come in because he knows how much this is helping him. So it's a pretty powerful thing to to witness and to hear the stories that we have. And the stories, we talked a little bit before we started. One of the things that we're working very hard on is getting data now to back up the stories, right? Stories are great up until a point and then people, donors want to know, grantors, when you write a grant application, it's always, what's the data? What are the metrics to show efficacy of a program? So we're working really hard to collect data now that is proving what we know to be true, which the healing journey is real when you're outside and putting a line in the water. Yeah, that is uh, absolutely true. And I'll definitely make sure that those links uh, are in the show notes so folks can check them out. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really enjoyed it, Dwayne. So glad, really a, a privilege to be on your show. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. Psychomer offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. I'm glad to have been able to highlight the work that Project Healing Waters has done. As I mentioned, I've been aware of and familiar with the program for a number of years, with colleagues in my local community being involved as volunteers and program participants. This is a program that sports veterans with something that they are or may be interested in and can be categorized as therapeutic with a lowercase t, as opposed to clinical mental health counseling, that is therapeutic with a capital T, and both can be and are beneficial and really complementary. And there is increasing research into things like mindfulness meditation or the benefits of repetitive focused movement that can calm the brain, reduce synaptic activity, provide more control to the prefrontal lobe, anytime we're engaging in a repetitive behavior that we have to concentrate on, like fly fishing or golf, for example, then the neuronal connections in our brain are strengthened and new pathways for emotional regulation are developed. All of these things can be beneficial. One of the points that I'd like to touch on that John mentioned a couple times is a concept of a continuum of community. I really like that description. It's one thing to go to a place and engage in an activity, but it's another thing to build up a community that engages in a series of activities. You and your partner may go have breakfast on a Saturday morning at a local restaurant, and you're having a meal. But there's a table in a corner that has folks who obviously come here every Saturday morning, sit at the same table, know each other, Those people are connected. They're not just having a meal. They're engaging in community. They know the staff. They know about each other's families. And they're connected to each other in a continual way, not just in a one-off transactional way. And I get the sense that this is what Jonathan is referring to as a continuum of community. It's not just about going out one Saturday and putting a line in the water. It's about continuing to be connected twice a month or whenever the events are happening. It's about being part of a community, not just engaging in an event. Engaging in an event is transactional, but being part of a consistent community can be transformational. It's great to hear of these efforts, and I hope that you'll check out Project Healing Waters if their work is something that interests you. So I hope you appreciated this conversation with John. If you did, we'd like to hear from you, so if you do have some feedback, let us know. Drop a review in your podcast player of choice, or send us an email at info at
We're always glad to hear from listeners, both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the PsychArmor course, Volunteer Recruitment and Screening. As you heard in our conversation, much of the work of Project Healing Waters is done by volunteers, and this course discusses the basic components and interdependencies of recruiting and screening volunteers, as well as the value of having a recruitment process. You can find a link to the course in our show notes. So thanks again for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in the podcast app, as well as on the Psychomer website at psychomer.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are all committed to educating the non-military community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members, veterans, and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with Psychomer on social media to let us know what you thought about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing and all rights to the show remain reserved by Psycharmor. Much appreciation to the team at Psycharmor that makes this show happen. Carol Turner, Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track and is an outstanding guest coordinator, and support and transcript by Emma Atherall. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.